It's really about the story and what it means to that person, you know? And when I began to gather these stories, it became very therapeutic, not only for the artists themselves, but for me. Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robert Tosche. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Our guest on the Artist Engineer Podcast is Shefik. Shefik is the executive producer and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, Shefik Presents Invocation, which is broadcast on 23 terrestrial radio stations throughout the United States. Shefik is also a seasoned technologist in social media, with a career background as a lead architect and senior web developer. He is currently a technical lead for NBC Sports at NBC Universal. Shefik tells us how a CD collection and playlists were the inspiration behind his radio show. We find out the circumstances that led to him being knighted, not once but twice, and what a knighthood means in modern times. Finally, Shefik describes how balancing creative and analytical thinking can help build technology and entertainment that serves a greater good. Welcome, Shefik, to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Thank you for having me. So your story is a little familiar to us. You have a long career in software development. You also have a separate independent career in the arts, in film, music, and radio. But recently you told us about something very unique that we've never heard on the show before. And uh, maybe we can start with that. Uh, You told us that you have recently been knighted. Could you tell us that story, how that happened and what that means? Yes, so back in May, 2019, I was knighted for the first time. So I'm actually knighted for a second time, but I'll get to the first time. I was knighted by Prince Garios El Shamor, He's the heir to the Gassanese kingdom. The kingdom itself doesn't exist because it's sort of uh, ancient times and very <laughs> past history. But uh, present day covers areas like Lebanon, Syria, that sort of kingdom in, in, in a sense. So he would be the heir if it still existed. He actually traces lineage and things like that. Through my show, and I'm sure you're going to ask me a little about that later, but uh, I have a radio show that I do. And he was one of the guests on the show. You know, so he's got to see firsthand what, exactly what I do and how I do it and the people I support through my platform. So it got to the point where I supported um, Autism Awareness, where I actually host an event every year for the Michael Marie, uh, Morgan Foundation. And I asked him to attend in person. So he was gracious enough to travel down to New Jersey from where he was at. And he came here and then he presented me with the knighthood in person in front of you know, all the guests and everything like that. So we made it a part of the ceremony and part of the event itself. So what this means exactly, obviously with the kingdom doesn't exist. It's not like I could, <laughs> I have some ruling power <laughs> as a knight. <laughs> Castle to move into. <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, not like um, King Arthur where I'm sitting at a round table or <laughs> doing anything like that. Um, it, it's a symbolism and what it stands for. It's about chivalry. It's about helping people. It's about being a voice for others that are not able to have a voice themselves and various reasons. So that came about from that. 
So flash forward to 2021, as of April 6th of this year, 2021, I got knighted for a second time. So mind you, I didn't solicit these, these people to knight me, right? They just came to me themselves. I, I've had communications with them through my show, things like that. But I certainly didn't ask them or solicit to be knighted. They just presented on their own because they felt compelled to do that. The second knighthood came from a Ghana, which is in you know Africa, West Africa. That came about mainly because they saw my work from the first knighthood. So in this case, this is a ruling power that's in existence right now. And um, the, I'm going to get his name right. His name is His Majesty Ohen Benya Nana Kwame Obeng II. And uh, that's his full name that he uses. Um, people call him Nana, you know, or His, his Majesty. So Ghana is actually uh, used to be a, a colony of, of England, you know, United Kingdom. So it's still a republic in a sense, but they do have a system of chiefs. So he's actually a chief of this area in the Sobing um, Ming area. And basically his father is actually a divisional chief, you know, where he's in charge of many areas. So there are a ruling power that's currently there. So it's again, it's about chivalry. It's about supporting people in need, particularly now in the people of Ghana who have various needs with education, eating some running water, clean running water, you know, infrastructure, all kinds of things and challenges that they have in that country, whether it's internet challenges, things like that. So I help support that, just help again be a voice, you know, for that through my platform. Great. That's a great honor. And it sounds like the process for knighthood is pretty straightforward, except for the 20 years of good work that you did uh, to get to this point. So that's like, yeah, it got there, but as, I don't want to say it's, 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 Straightforward in a sense where they have to pay attention to the work that you're doing, right? And, and it's about that. And you have to still stand by to work with a sort of honor system, you know, that, that's there. And, um, and I just want to note, as far as the titles that I have, like the first knighthood, I actually have a title of Sir, um, because that's from that kingdom, from the Gassanese kingdom. But the title that I have from Ghana is not actually Sir. I'm not allowed to use Sir in that regard, because they still want to honor and respect United Kingdom. So only the, the queen of England could actually give the title of sir. You know, so out of respect, you know, Ghana, they, they give um, the title of his most excellent. So, you know, my title is the most excellent Shafiq Macaulay kind of thing. Most excellent. Most excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's perfect. An amazing story there. And maybe that leads us directly into Shefik Presents Invocation. You said you received your knighthoods uh, because you're a voice for others, for supporting people in need. And you are the executive producer and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, Shefik Presents Invocation. I have here, it's a mesmerizing and thought-provoking journey through musical discovery and appreciation. Can you tell us about this show? What was your inspiration for this show, the format, which I, I found really interesting and unique? Well... Let me tell you a bit of history why I started the show. I started in the music business, you know, very early on. I, you know, I work in technology now, but uh, this is before the internet was popular and things like that. So my career aspirations was in the music business, being a writer, things like that. Um, and also wrote a lot of stories, get to interview celebrities, things like that. So I was able to collect a lot of CDs over time. People may not know what CDs are, <laughs> just like back then, we don't know what 8-track tapes were and things like that. But I collected CDs, thousands of CDs, because I would get them free from the rec companies because they want me to write articles for various press and things like that. So over time, I accumulated that. And I realized 
when it became, you know, iPad came out, well, actually, you know, iPod first, you know, an iPhone and things like that, but all, everything became digital with MP3s. So I started to digitize everything. So then I accumulated thousands and thousands of songs on a computer. And then I realized it's hard to find the song that I was looking for. So I just started to, to create playlists for these songs. And they were actually names of categories. After I did that a few hundred times, I was like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life categories, <laughs> song, songs here. So I realized, let me have some purpose for putting things in the category, not just for me to find the songs. And I realized that if I like the songs, maybe some other people will like them too. So that's how the show sort of came about. And each episode itself is a category. Like the first episode ever was called Songs to Invoke Revolution. So revolution was the topic. And then I have all sorts of songs about revolution, however that sort of emotion gets evoked. And then I would interject various artists and celebrities and, and other special guests to be a part of it, to talk about the songs or talk about what the topic means to them. And I realized that with me working in the music business, I actually knew a lot of the people who sang the songs. So these were popular songs. So I reached out to many of my own clients you know, um, people like Dion Warwick was my early client, you know, 20 years ago at Mobile Moore, all these sorts of R&B and, and pop artists that I worked with. And then, you know, someone like Dion Warwick, you know, she was gracious enough to be on the show. I did a show called uh, Friendship, Songs to Invoke Friendship. And we talked about her songs that were friends are for, you know. So when I did this sort of sort of amalgamation of the music and the music and the and the whole backstory and what it means to be involved in that topic, then it evolved into something else because it wasn't just about telling the stories, but again, to, to book kind of guests that were telling stories that were very personal and meaningful for them in a variety of ways. So I've had people that literally wanted to commit suicide. I've had people who had various disabilities or various ailments or things they're going through in life. I had people going through substance abuse, sexual abuse. I even had murderers on the show, you know, who actually got convicted, went away, you know, for, for many, many years and came out, you know, out of prison because of that. You know, so I have all sorts of people. And when you get to hear their stories, the kind of show that I do, it's a very different kind of show. Even, even though it's like a radio show, people think they could just come on a show and say, oh, I have an album out. I have a show. Go come buy my tickets. Nothing like that at all. It's really about the story and what it means to that person, you know? And when I began to gather these stories, it became very therapeutic, not only for the artists themselves, but for me, you know, because I intentionally reached out to people from my history, maybe like 20 years ago when I first started in the business, in the industry overall. And when you get to my age, you know, in my mid forties kind of thing, people think you have a midlife crisis, you know, kind of thing, you know? Not to say I was having that, but that's the perception for some people in their 40s kind of thing. So I wanted to reach out to people and, and really get to the crossroads of life to find out where are people at position in their life. And if I'm able to find out where other people are positioned, I'm able to position myself in a more meaningful way as I go through my own journey. So I love how uh, it came about from kind of making playlists or, or old school, what you'd call mixtapes. Um, you know, and it's almost like a little bit of that, but it's such a creative uh, idea to put together clips of people's, you know, descriptions of what this theme means to them along with music. So that is a super creative idea. So you said it was a bit therapeutic for you as well. How has the show evolved um, since you started it? I mean, did, what have you learned? Where do you want to take this show? 
if, if any, what are your plans? Yeah, so I do want to note the show is first and foremost a radio show. But since day one, I required everyone to tape their interviews in person and on video with me. I was always constructing the show with the mindset of, of having a multimedia project overall. So it did start with a radio show, but I had the video assets and be able to distribute that video interviews and various means, which I've ended up doing in the present day. But it was always that mindset. So what helped by doing it in person and requiring it in person, I was able to create an atmosphere that was very calming, very safe and secure, because especially when I'm asking people to tell their personal stories in a meaningful way, they had to trust me to do that. Especially, as I mentioned, people admitted to me that they wanted to commit suicide, people, substance abuse, child abuse, you know, all these kind of things all wrapped up. And, and mind you, when I go into these interviews, I never know what they're going to say. I don't set any questions beforehand. I don't, you know, I pre-screen them in a sense. I, obviously, I know who the guests are to a certain extent. I know why I'm booking them. In the case of certain recording artists, I know the stories I want them to tell. And we discussed that because I want them to talk about the songs in particular. But there are certain cases because it's not always about celebrities. It's about ordinary people too, about what it means to them in those stories. But I never know what those stories are. And when it comes out, it comes out in a therapeutic way where it's not expected for them, you know, for them to even reveal that. Because again, they're coming into the mindset of saying, oh, it's a radio show. They're coming to promote some product. And it's not about that. When I take the radio show itself on video, I never appear on video with the guest because I don't want to interfere with their story at all. So obviously I may say things off camera in between the takes, you know, but what you see on video is actually one single take. I never edit the dialogue. So even though there might be multiple takes, I don't take a piece from here, a piece from there and put it together. It's always one single take. If we had to do another take, we do another take, you know, but usually it's one continuous take and interviews are like two to three minutes or so average. And it's always about them. I just turn on the camera and they tell me their story, whatever they're going to say. As far as the other guests, I never tell the guests or seldom tell the guests, the other guests that are in the same show, because I don't want the other guests names to influence them in a negative way. Cause sometimes people may feel intimidated like, why did you pick me for the show when you have such and such person? You know, it's, it, I've, you know, got to that point too. So I never reveal the guest names. And I also never tell them the songs that are going to go with the stories they're going to tell, because I don't want the lyrics of the songs to influence what they're going to say. Obviously, there's some exceptions, because again, if I book the artist that sang the song, they know the song themselves, but they never know anything else. Right. And, and that's very intentional because that, again, creates that safe space. And it's been a lot of revealing things, you know. So when you ask me about therapy and things like that, it's, it's things that I wouldn't have expected to have come out by me doing this platform. And to witness it and to see that people trusted me by telling me their stories, I think that's important that I can't take for granted in, in that way. And, and, they, and I think they realize that. Once they see the product and when it comes out, the way it's shot and, and the way that I don't edit and all this kind of stuff, the guests really capture that and they see that. And I've had a few guests, honestly, that had second thoughts about it. But the second thoughts, 
became the third thoughts, where the third thoughts will come back and say, it's okay now to tell the story because now they feel healed by doing that. They were never granted permission themselves to be in a safe space to talk about these things or to talk about it in a way that they think that it could actually help not only themselves or me, but other people that, that hear the story. So I think that's important. Two questions. One is um, picking the medium radio compared to say podcasting or other mediums of the time from when this came out, which were already pretty big. So it's kind of, that's the, the first part. And then the name, um, Invocation. Name, how did you pick that name for it? It's an interesting word for a show in a lot of ways. Okay. All right. So I'll take the first part. Why, why it's a radio show? Um, it is a podcast also, as of today. I release it on you know, Spotify, Apple, all the major podcasting platforms. But it is, continues to be a radio show. And I'm on 23 stations right now, terrestrial AM stations. And I wanted to build a platform that was meaningful for me in a sense, because I come from an entertainment background that I know what the power of radio was back then, before Sirius XM and, and satellite radio and all that, what it meant to not have a computer and then all you have is a cassette tape and you put the cassette tape next to the radio and hope that your favorite song comes on and that's how you make your mixtape, you know, and, you know, and things like that. And that's, that was meaningful to be a part of that process and, and be a part of that. And I wanted to capture that, you know, in a sense for nostalgia purposes, but also that I still understand radio itself still has a major impact. And I wanted to be a part of that in a sense. But as I mentioned, overall, it is a multimedia project. So the radio is just one element. So me knowing that I want to hit various types of mediums, I still have to hit radio first and foremost too, as well as the podcast, which I'm doing, as well as the video and other kinds of you know, areas, you know, things like that. So I needed to do it all <laughs> in, in, in a sense, you know? Um, but so the second part of your question is like, I was trying to figure out the word itself. Um, so as I mentioned the playlist, I, I had that word invoke in my head from the very beginning. So every episode is called like songs to invoke revolution, songs to invoke time, songs to invoke whatever, you know, that word is kind of thing. And, and I realized, you know, if I want to invoke something, what is the umbrella term for invoking something, right? Which comes out to be invocation, right? You know, and some people thought that this is some religious show, you know, <laughs> so, you know, um, I do have religious topics on there and I do have people of the faiths, various faiths in there, but it's not a religious show. It's, it's about invoking an emotion by whatever means. I've had good topics, I have bad topics. People just tell me what they feel. And the invocation is the, the means to channel it all, right? And, and of course, I, you know, the full title is Shefik Presents Invocation. I put my name on there because I'm presenting it. I'm not the one saying it. I'm just providing the platform. So speaking about multimedia, uh, kind of your, your vision for where your radio show is going to go, maybe we can pivot into another important part of your life. Um, you're currently a technical lead for NBC Sports at NBC Universal. For the past 20 years, you've held senior positions at many multimedia and media companies as an architect, as a, as a web developer. 
what's the balance you found between technical part of your career, uh, which might be corporate, but also in multimedia and uh, your artistic and creative endeavors? Um, do you balance that? Do you keep that very separate? Do you find ways to integrate that? It goes back to the theory of left and right brain thinking, right? So if you're familiar with that, left brain is more analytical, logical, you know, things of that nature. Right brain is more creative, more thought provoking, you know, things like that. I've always been known to do both, primarily the right brain, you know, so much. And if I didn't do the technology, because actually I didn't go to school for that. You know, I taught myself technology because it didn't exist, you know, when I went to college, you know, the way it does now as far as internet and things like that. So I had aspirations to be a filmmaker, you know, uh, to get my master's in film. I didn't get accepted to the sort of major schools. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, back then, you know, it's not as, it's not what it is now where you could just pick up a phone and you have a camera on your phone that didn't exist back then. Um, and equipment was very expensive. So when I didn't get into those, those kind of top schools, I find other ways. So that's how I transitioned to the music business because I became a publicist and things like that. So as I went through my career, um, I found out that I wanted to make sure I still have a creative aspect in whatever I'm doing. So even though I may do the analytical thing and the logical thing with computer programming, I'm approaching it with a certain amount of theory behind it because there's certain kinds of developers that could just sit there and they just do the work and they're not knowing why they're doing the work, right? They don't question the work, right? I tend to question the work. Not to say that I have to question the stakeholders so much, I question myself through that process too. Because if I don't understand the purpose of doing the work and what value is gonna get from the end user, then I cannot do the work effectively. Right, So that comes from theory, that becomes from analyzing from the right brain too, because that helps me to be a better developer overall. Because if I'm taking a product and I'm mainly focused my career on publishing and entertainment industry, I'm focusing on products that I consume myself or maybe my competitors that I would analyze. So while I'm analyzing these sort of products, I would say, what is the, the purpose that it will serve for the greater good of humanity? You know, sometimes there's some entertainment that has no good good at all. It's just there for the entertainment. But <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> yeah. But if, but if you get my point, it's like you know there are some some value in entertainment. You know, um, when it's done properly and when the powers that be in media wield their power in a meaningful manner, you know, it does a greater good. You know, for the for mankind. So I think about these things. It's like if I'm going to sit here spend a majority of my life, and I'm sure you know this as a computer programmer technology, you spend majority of your day at a computer, you know, than a typical person in their, in their day. So I have to have purpose while I'm sitting in that chair. And it can't be just, you know, punching keys on a, on a, on a keyboard. It's very self-aware. It sounds like if I hear, I'm hearing you, you have an idea of your true self, which is maybe right brain, because you're saying if you go too far through analytics, you're almost like getting too far away, letting yourself down. Uh, so it's very self-aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I just want to point out, you know, I do like being in both. Mm. It's not to say one is worse than the other because I want that balance there, but I have to understand that it has to be a balance. And I have to understand what am I doing so far to the left or to the right that's taking me away from the other side? Because I think that's what's 
made me succeed in my career thus far is being able to find a balance, being able to understand that both sides exist. Because sometimes people don't understand that or, or they neglect it, or maybe they don't want to, you know, appreciate the other side, but I, it's worked for me, you know, in a sense. And, and I don't want to let that, that go because it's not only serving for me, but it's serving for the people through my show, through other people that I engage with. Because if I'm able to equate things from both sides, I'm a better person overall to help present some platforms and ideals that would help serve other people. While we're on the, the, the topic of kind of two sides, uh, which, which is kind of a little bit of our show, right? The artist engineer, we think of them as separate, and, and, but they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're either different people or different parts of your brain in a way. But there's another one that I was thinking about too. You mentioned, you know, if you're in front of a computer hours on end as uh, as software programmers and developers are, and I think there's a stereotype of them being very much in the background, almost kind of introverted in a cube, you know, not not looking up from their screen, Um, but you seem pretty comfortable, you know, you have a a, a public persona and and, uh, accepting awards, being knighted, a show with your name on it. And, and those to me seem like two sides of a, of a coin. And that's kind of interesting. How do, how do you, so kind of the introvert extrovert part of you or parts of you, how do you, how do you kind of see them? Yeah. So firstly, I would just want to say, as we're explaining this, it sounds like I'm schizophrenic. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that, uh, <laughs> you know, because when we talk about two different people and two different sides, things like that. Uh, we, we are all multitudes. <laughs> yes. uh, it's just tapping into other skill sets and you know things like that and knowing what that means. But um, but to really answer your question, it's really about I'm the type of person that's very hands-on and I've always been that way. Um, I've been known to be very introverted. I can be very quiet at times, uh, many times, you know, uh, regardless if I have the show or not. You know, obviously when I'm on camera, you know, I'm a different person, you know, the light is on, show must go on kind of thing. But um, outside of that, I'm the type of person that, that observes a lot, you know, and that's where the quietness and introversion comes in, where I'm observing because I'm a studier of people, studying of circumstances and environments, things like that. So while I'm studying, I'm gathering mental notes and information where how can I use this information to better the situation when I do become vocal or when it's time to reveal my findings, you know, kind of thing. And so it's always the case where I'm not quiet just for the sake I'm, I'm going to be quiet permanently. I'm being quiet because sometimes you have to be quiet because you have to just listen to silence to understand the mechanics of silence. When you understand the mechanics of silence, then you'll know what noise sounds like. I think this has been most excellent. So Shefik, where, where can people learn more about you? Where can people listen to uh, Shefik Presents Invocation? All right, so the show's website itself is invocation.co. So that's the main hub for everything. But as I mentioned earlier, this is a radio show. The radio show itself is on 23 stations, terrestrial AMF, AM and FM stations around the country. I'm on five days a week, um, different cities, different times. So you could actually go to the website to find the times for that. Perfect. We're going to add all that information to our show notes so our guests can uh, check out your show and all of your other work. All right, thanks. Yeah, this has been fascinating and our show theme uh when we when we started out uh was artists engineers and people leading creative lives so that was kind of the three groups that if someone didn't fall specifically into what you would think of as an artist or maybe an end an engineer 
we said we want to leave that open for people leading creative lives. And uh, I would certainly say you are leading a creative life. So, uh, so this has been terrific and appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoyed the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.